0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome in to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Boy, games like that can kind of rip your heart out, take your soul away, whatever kind of... uh, analogy you'd like to lose on that use on that Gamecocks fall in a close one to Tennessee 3127 at Williams Bryce Stadium Saturday night. Um <clears throat> was not at the game. Uh was uh spending some time with friends and um was an entertaining football game but uh that was a tough one. You know South Carolina got momentum early. Uh, I felt like you know after the what was it, the botched punt by Tennessee, you know, you got to go stick that one in the end zone. Kind of reminded me of that Kentucky game a couple of years ago where, you know, they scored the touchdown on the first play of the game. And then, you know, Sky Moore gets a pick and they don't do anything with it. And that, that kind of allows a team that's on the road and forgive my voice today to kind of, uh, you know, get regroup and, and the Vols did and they went down the field and then it's 21 seven and, you know, kind of the life goes out of the the wind, goes out of the sails for Carolina. Then Colin Hill, uh, to his credit, and the offense, they come right back down the field, to score. They get a stop. Carolina ties it up again. <clears throat> and then 24 24. And then when it got to be 24 piece, you know, that, that's the position there where your defense has to get off the field. You have to come up with a stop. And I know they're missing Izzy McWamu, but you got to get them off the field. You can't go down and let them score a touchdown like that. Uh, still, Carolina continued to fight, and they got down there. Um, I understand the questionable call by Muschamp for the field goal. I I, I think because they lost, you know, people question that, and, and rightfully so, um, you know, because you, you obviously are down seven, and that cut it to four. But had they gone down and scored in the end, it looks good because you end up winning instead of going to overtime or having to go for two to win the game, so – you know, just as is the case with most calls like that, it could have gone either way. I'm not one that gets even, no matter what, who the coach is, I'm not one that kind of, you know, gets a harps on that because you can always go back and justify it either way. Uh, it doesn't matter, like I said, who, who in the world's coaching. Um, I'm sure that, you know, around the country, Lincoln Riley wishes he'd had a few back on Saturday. I think, um, or Orgeron probably wishes he'd had a few back on Saturday, too. You know, and that's just kind of a – I think this year, because of everything, we're going to see some stuff that's just unexpected. Um, And, you know, I don't don't know that Saturday was, you know, unexpected. Tennessee was a four-point favorite. But, you know, bigger picture, regardless of who the favorite was coming into that football game, South Carolina's going to win those games. I mean, you have the opportunity to – Eliminate a lot of ghosts from last year. Get off to a positive start against the team you have to beat every single season. You have to go do it. You have to go do it. And uh, we're starting to get to the point now, given what's happened the last couple of years, where you know the losses are mounting, and that's unfortunate. There's nine more games to go this year. I don't think this football team is dead in the water, but this is one they needed to have. So you got to make it up somehow. You got to go beat somebody uh, if you're going to have. Uh, a good season, a rebound season, whatever. Uh, I put my game thoughts up on the TheBigSpur.com. Those of you who are VIP members, um, not going to get too much into the weeds on that particular article, uh, but I will tell you some, some things individually that I liked. You know, I thought Hill didn't get off to a – I thought he got off to a really good start. And then I thought right there in that second quarter-ish, uh, started to struggle a little bit. The pick six obviously was a big play um you know i don't know what exactly happened on that one but uh it, it fell into the arms of henry toto who scored a touchdown put the balls ahead 14-7 but i thought he rebounded well you know once that once tennessee got up 21-7 you know he they knew they had to come back and um you know he he led the team back led the team back didn't get a shot at the end to lead him down the field because of the the special teams blunder, but um, it looked like, uh, you know, I, I'm watching him play. I, I'll say two things about Hill. First and foremost, there's some people that, you know, aren't a big fan of his game. And I, I was watching it Saturday night, and I figured out why. It's 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 the fact that, you know, sometimes he'll he'll put some touch on the ball. You know, he's not firing it. Sometimes he does fire it in there. Um, and so so I think people look at that and they go, well, that's an inconsistent arm or, or whatever. I, I, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I, I think it's more of a style thing. People are like they don't really like his style as well as maybe somebody else's or something. But I, I thought he was very effective. Um, you know, you think about what they were going to do. Um, and uh, they don't have a ton of great receivers. Uh, and so what they did was they, they stayed in the personnel package to – you know, get the ball to their playmakers, and I thought he did it. You know, Shai Smith, you can't argue with the day he had. Um, And he – I mean, he. you know, we talked all offseason about can he be a number one. Well, Saturday night it looks like he can be. You know, double-digit receptions uh, really was one of the better players on the field. You know, Xavier Leggett, obviously, with the big catch there in the third quarter. Um, I think he's coming on. Uh, i't Nick Muse made some good plays in the passing game i you know you can't drop that pass uh there at the end um and it was a little bit high, but you know had he come down with it, you know just wrap it up, come down with it, and fallen down, I think it's first down uh and had he just grabbed it out, snatched it out of the sky, and run it into the end zone um I think it's a touch- it could be a touchdown it was a good play call. Mike Bobo, I thought, in his debut for the Gamecocks, I know they didn't put up, but what, 379 yards. I, I thought the play calling was the best I've seen at South Carolina probably since <clears throat> G.A. Mangus and those guys left, <clears throat> you know, just to be honest, uh, against a good team. I mean, I think, obviously, you look back at the Birmingham Bowl against South Florida and, and some, some games like that, <clears throat> and the Gamecocks went up and down the field pretty much with ease with Kurt Roper calling it and – You know, McClendon had some big explosive games. But I I thought, you know, considering, you know, you don't have a Brian Edwards or Debo out there, you're just trying to get it to your guys. You know, that was a – he coached his butt off, I I thought. Wasn't good enough at the end. You got to make plays when they're there. But I thought Mike Bobo, for his debut, you know – just kind of examining it and looking at it and looking at what they were kind of up against uh, and the limitations they have personnel-wise right now. Um, yeah, South Carolina, you know, I think they got a good play caller, and I'll just leave it at that. It's hard to swallow something like that. I know if you're out there listening to me because they lost, and, you know, one more play and they win or something. But uh, I just – I thought that, you know, that game did not have to – you know, it could have been a lot different, you know. Down 21-7 like that, you know, I, I was kind of thinking myself, I was like, well, they may not score again, you know. <laughs> but Mike Bobo made second-half adjustments. He went out there. Um, and Colin Hill went out and executed. And Carolina made a game out of it, went up and down the field. So, I, you know, hats off to him for a good game. The offensive line obviously struggled. And I, and I say consistently it's unrealistic to think you're going to line up and – dominate in the sec because you're playing against really good defensive linemen every week. But but I wasn't talking about that. I mean, that the whole right side couldn't block. They got whipped, you know, Tennessee's got good athletes, obviously on that side of the ball, but I'm going to tell you this, uh, the bunch coming up this weekend is going to, it's a lot more exotic and confusing playing that defense. And they're probably a tick faster and more athletic up front. So that stuff's got to get fixed. I don't know what the deal is. I know Vashawn Lee has been playing well as a true freshman, though. Um, you know they got to you got to get turning Time ready, or Nichols has to go in and play. Ja'Kai Moore, you know, one of those guys has to step up, or Vashawn Lee if he's able to do it consistently. But I, I that was just a a disappointing performance by a group that, you know, should be better. I'm not saying they should be dominant. I'm not saying they're never going to give up a sack. And the O-line gave up two sacks, and then one sack was on a receiver and one was on Colin Hill, so it was four. Uh, but they've got, to, they've got to protect better, and they got to open holes in the run game a little better too. Um, I'm going to get to that. Kevin Harris and uh, Deshaun Fenwick I thought had some moments. Uh, heck, I thought I thought White, when he got in there, played Okay. Uh, but he's getting healthier and healthier, and I think he's got, you know, he's got some things he's got to work on, you know, in terms of hitting the hole and not dancing as much and and all that. But you know, you can tell so those those three guys. I think gonna be all, I think they're gonna be all right. Um, you know, obviously the tight ends did not block well, which you know was kind of part of the the game plan. So that was a very frustrating performance by that group. Um, overall, though, I it's hard for me. I was thinking it would be like a 21 to 17 type of game, a defensive struggle. So so it's kind of hard for me to sit there and go, well, the offense blew it. I mean, I I thought that when you're looking at both sides of the ball, if you want to see a group that could not get up and do their part in a key moment, it was the defense. Uh, They could not get off the field. I mean, you tied at 24, you battled back from two touchdowns down, you let them get a field goal at the other end. Then you come back down and tie it. you got to get off the field, man. you got to find a way to do that. And uh, Tennessee just went right back down. And Tennessee's offense was not exactly playing like world beaters at the time. You know, that last touchdown. And then Carolina stopped them there at the end, too. So, I, I, you know, I, I, that was disappointing. And that, that, you know, making plays in key moments in games is, is something that has to get better at South Carolina I mean it's uh you know that just has to happen uh I thought that you know Tennessee I think at what 133 rushing yards that's good that's not great they didn't pound the ball up and down the field against the Gamecocks but there were moments especially I think I think the drive to go up 21-7 I think that's the one you know they just gashed them on the inside and that was a concern coming in uh I don't know about you guys but I, I can probably count the number of times on one hand uh, when I've been watching a game on TV. And I know TVs are good these days. you got the big ones and people can see everything and all that. Where I'm sitting there and everybody in the room goes, my God, look how much bigger that offensive line is compared to that defensive line. Because um, normally on TV, you know, we're all watching the ball and the quarterback's you know, it, it's not that noticeable because you got big guys on both sides. Well, it was noticeable Saturday night. Commentators continued to talk about it, and it was just kind of a, a, a brutal thing. I mean, I, I quite frankly, uh, I think that it could have been a lot worse on the ground defensively. Uh, and that's nothing against Jabari Ellis and Keir Thomas. I, I don't think individually they were bad. I just think there were times, again, key moments in the football game where, you know, Tennessee just lines up and gashes them. You can't get gassed in the SEC consistently. You're not going to win very many games. You know, Zach Pickens is a player I mentioned today on the site. Really thought, you know, people talk about guys flashing. I thought there were times where you went, wow, this." you know, you kind of we kind of started seeing some five-star type um, play. And, and I say finally. I mean, Pickens is a sophomore. We don't want to rush him. But, uh, you know, I looked out there and, you know, a couple of those plays, I was like, wow, wow you know, that's – that's why Zach Pickens is good. I thought J.J. and Ibarre, um really played well coming on. Uh, so those two guys, you know, they are there. Now, it takes more than two, obviously. Uh, it takes more than two. So you're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to get out there and, you know, the rest of those guys are going to have to make some things happen. You know, Aaron Sterling was sort of quiet. Um, and there was a big size advantage. There will not be that kind of size advantage this weekend. But you got a different set of issues because you got Florida, who really went up and down the field. They got skill, talent, uh, great coach offensively. Um, that's a stiff challenge, you know, heading into the weekend. But uh, you know, they're not overly big up front like Tennessee is. Trey Smith, to me, is one of the best offensive linemen in the country, uh, and then they got some other guys. You know how to tackle that are good. I think their center is a veteran player transferred in from Alabama. I'm talking about Tennessee, not Florida uh, yet, but, uh, you know, I, I think that they're just good. And, you know, Carolina at times, not all the time, but at times, you know, that, that, that they didn't have the space eaters and they still don't. So, I, you know, if, if you want to know my opinion about the D line, you know, Pickens needs to start and play a, a lot of snaps. You got to rotate them in, obviously. You can't just uh, leave him out there the whole time. Uh, and I think Rick Sandage needs to play. I mean, th- those guys are just bigger than the other two. Um, and if you're getting gashed, you know, you can slide Kier Thomas out. He's done it before. Uh, and bring Aaron Sterling in on passing down. So we'll, we'll see kind of what happens there. I, I, I still think the D-line can be good. Um, I think, though, against teams like Tennessee where they outweigh you, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to have some issues if you're still undersized. Uh, you know, just at the end of the day, I think that's, that's the bottom line on that one. Kai Kroger did not punt well. Um, I hate that. <laughs> Cause I think the guy, I think the guy's going to be a really good punter, but obviously he needs to get better. Uh, there's no question about that. And then Cam Smith, poor Cam. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, everybody in the stadium watching on TV, on the sidelines, everybody in the country saw, uh, you know, Cam Smith struggle Saturday night. His he'll have better days. Uh and part of being a great defensive back, if you want to be a great defensive back, he's not great yet. Part of that is to um, you know, to forget about it and move on. I mean, that's what Cam Smith's gotta do. I mean, it it uh he already got burnt earlier and then the then the play on special teams just I mean, I I felt I haven't felt bad for a player like that in a long time. But that's uh, – I felt bad for that kid because it was just, man, what else could go wrong? I mean, what freaking else could have gone wrong? Um, and that sucked. You know, it sucked, sucked for him. He's a, he's a uh, highly touted player as a high school player. Uh, as I say many times, that doesn't guarantee success. But I still think he's got a lot of ability. He's a local guy, came to South Carolina, and, you know, I, I think he's still got a chance. You know, keep in mind, he's a redshirt freshman this year. He'll be a redshirt freshman next year, too. So he's got a lot of time. Cam Smith's better days are ahead. You know, I I know it was frustrating to watch, but, you know, like I said, he was playing in his first college football game. That happens to people, players sometimes. And I can't really say anything other than my heart goes out to him because that's that's a tough way to debut. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's the bottom line there. Um, you know, Will Muschamp on his press conference said that they're gonna to try to get Doty in the game more. Doty didn't play. That was surprising, I don't think. Um, I understand why he did not. Uh, you know, that was they were they were limiting the receiver packages and stuff. And and I thought, you know, quite frankly, that 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 was the game plan. They had a good game plan, you know, designed to win. You know, I, I thought that the game plan on offense was I could have won the game. You got to play good on D, though. You got to play good on you got to get off the field. I mean, if you don't have the explosiveness on offense to go out there and score a bunch of points, you know, you got to kind of ball control and make, you know, crisp decisions and get guys open uh, and move it methodically down the field. At times, you know, you've got to play defense. You know, you got to get off the field. that's how it all kind of fits together in, in a lot of ways. So, you know, unfortunate game. Uh, You know, I wish, you know, with my picks last week, I would have been right about this one and maybe wrong about LSU, Mississippi State, but I wasn't. Mississippi State won that game straight up down in Baton Rouge. And uh, 44-34. It was good to see kind of uh, Mike Leach win his debut down there in Baton Rouge. I think LSU's just got, you know, they had too many personnel losses to expect to go back out and be, you know, the team they were, or even close, to be honest. You know, Auburn, impressive. I thought their run defense played well enough uh, to get it done. They held Kentucky. Now Kentucky turned it over. You know, we all saw Florida put half a hundred up on Ole Miss. Ole Miss, you know, played well against Florida's defense. I think, you know, you you guys and me and and all of us that uh, follow the SEC, we've seen Todd Grantham call a lot of defense over the years, though, and yeah, sometimes that happens, <laughs> and uh, and and they just live with it, you know. Well, you know, sometimes that happens. But um, you know, Alabama obviously was impressive. Georgia struggles a little bit against Arkansas early. Has to go with the the walk on there. Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Um, weird day in the SEC for sure, but certainly, you know, if you're a Gamecock fan, especially after the hope, you know, the hope. Started off the game, goes Carolina goes right down the field and scores. And so there's hope, and then there's a botch play by Tennessee, and then there's more hope, and then you know once again you guys get the rug snatched out from under you, and that keeps happening, and that's tough, I think for you guys. If you're a fan of the Gamecocks, you know that that's that just keeps happening. It's like some, sometimes you get shell shocked by it, uh, you know, or, or you just don't, you know apathy Uh, somebody told me today apathy has set in and that's not good we don't want um nobody wants apathy with something you're passionate about uh and i think sometimes that apathy is probably a product of the passion you know you get emotionally invested and you you get hurt so many times over and over again by by an outcome that it's hard to get back up you know you're hard to keep getting knocked down get back up and i'll say the same thing you know will muschamp to his credit he keeps getting back up, you know. He's gotten knocked down a lot in his coaching career, his playing career, whatever. So, you know, just as a human being, not about coaching or anything. I don't know, you know. I, hats off to him for continuing to take it. I mean, it's just things just happen. And um, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, all you can do if your Carolinas go, and uh, yeah, you know, try your best this weekend. Um, you know, I, I think obviously. First game sometimes, you know, you, you, you sit there and you watch them and you're like, well, I mean, this this team's defense needs to get better, but their offense can be okay. And then you get to that second, third game, and then all of a sudden the defense is better and the offense can't go anywhere. Um, so, so you never know. You, know. you never know exactly how it's going to work out. But, you know, Carolina's got to go and do their best to try to stay in the ball game Saturday. And then you got Vandy after that, Vanderbilt. Texas A&M, 17, Vanderbilt, 12. How about that score? I thought for sure A&M was going to cover that one, but, um, you know, they didn't. And, they've you know, you talk about receivers, they've got issues at A&M now, too, because they had so many guys opt out. Then they got another guy hurt. They have no proven receivers for Kellen Mond. And so that one was a little bit ugly. Out in College Station, my friend Mike Morgan, co-host of the JC and Morgan podcast, uh, he was out there on the call for that one. Um, surprising result there you know in terms of Vandy being able to keep it close so hats off to Derek Mason you know uh for uh cuz they've had a tough preseason uh for for playing it close and you know nobody likes to just go play it close but you know if you're Vandy that's a that's a promising outcome and then if you're South Carolina you got Vandy in 2 weeks so you got to be careful up in Nashville so I I don't know <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I shudder to think what would happen if the Gamecocks start 0-3 this year. Shudder to think. Shudder to think. But, you know, I've got a job to do, so I'm going to continue to do it. I'm glad I made it back. Uh, Honestly, today would have been a good day to to take off. (laughs) But I wasn't going to do it. I was going to, you know, be – I promised you guys. I said just be a little patient with – with the podcast today, and it's you know it's gonna come out early, you know. So here we go. Um all right, so we got some mailbag questions, guys. You ready? Mailbag questions. All right, so the first couple of these are um, and I don't have my Twitter. I apologize for those of you that ask on Twitter to uh I'll I'll get to those questions tomorrow. Uh but we got four or five of them here in the uh, in the old inboxes. It's insidethegamecocks at gmail.com, insidethegamecocks at gmail.com if you'd like to get in. First couple ones are by the call-in show. I ask everybody, uh, have you ever had the call-in show? And so I've got a couple of those. So, you know, here we go. Tim says, J.C., you ask people to know if they've ever called in the call-in show. I'll call maybe once a year every couple of years, and last night was his time for this year called in and had one caller ahead of me and he said anytime you hear Tim from Amarillo that's me all right well you just outed yourself there I think for all the fun we make of stupid callers if intelligent callers will make a commitment to call there would be less airtime for the students I didn't ask any earth-shattering questions but I did try to ask something that might make the coach Muschamp actually think about how to answer yeah because I mean well sometimes the ones that aren't so good Tim, you do have to think about those. And you're like, uh, how do I answer this? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I you know, look, and, and I, after I said that last week, I, I felt a little bad because I'm like, I hope that the guys that call in, that actually call in, you know, that, that aren't Clemson fans in disguise, or that aren't, you know, you know, out there just asking whatever. I hope the guys that, that actually call don't think I'm making fun of them or making a blanket 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 statement about every person that calls the call-in show. Um, and I, I was thought about that. I was like, I hope I didn't offend anybody. Not that I don't care right mean, you now. I'm not one that cares about being offensive, but I was like, well, that that's you know, I do care about being unfair, and I was hopeful that I wasn't unfair. But Tim, that's good. Tim from Amarillo calling in, and um, so we know now, for you guys that listen to the show, if Tim from Amarillo calls, that is an Inside the Gamecocks podcast listener, and so uh, just, to, just to let you know about that, that's awesome. Uh, all right, so we got Kevin. He says his mom, Beth from Lamar, has called the calling show a few times. I got to see my mom this weekend. It was great. Certainly, you know, I haven't seen her in a few months because of COVID and everything, uh, but she actually won a tailgate spread from calling once. We're all incredibly embarrassed when she calls in. She sneaks away from my dad to do it, but it makes her happy. so yeah, that, that's what's important. You know she's not Phyllis from Mulga from the 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 fine bomb show. <laughs> uh, hopefully, but yeah, man, winning a tailgate spread is awesome uh, that that would probably make me call in the call show. I just uh, <laughs> at. Uh, actually sounds good. i may go get some Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets today. That's uh, That may be on the menu. Um, but anyway, yeah, tell Beth, keep on calling. It makes her happy. You know, we're all supportive of your mother, Kevin, calling the call-in show. So we'll remember that. If I hear Beth from Lamar, uh, and, and those of you that hear Beth from note know, know that that is the mother of an Inside the Gamecast podcast listener. So thanks for that, Kevin. So that's all the call-in show questions we have so i've got now we're probably going to dig into football noah says after watching all right says thanks for all your great work i'm really enjoying the podcast that's why i'm here to do it i keep getting these emails um thanking me and, and people that enjoy the pod so that's why i kind of came back and, and had to do it after you know what was a br- kind of a brutal travel day yesterday so um you know, glad to be here. Glad for doing it. Uh, he says, after watching Saturday's games, I, thought a lot of, I saw a lot of impressive things from Colin Hill in the entire offense. Who on offense were you impressed by most and who are you most concerned about on offense? Well, uh, Shai Smith, obviously, to me, was impressive. And, and I had to credit Colin Hill with getting him the ball. Uh, you know, Kevin Harris, I thought, he did some good things. I thought Deshaun Finn, when he came in in the second half and got going, both passing game wise and running the ball. Uh, Did some good things. It was encouraging. Um, Concerned about Nick Muse a little bit, just because Nick Muse needs to be better than what he was. Uh, He's a better player than that. Um, He's not a guy that uh, needs to continue to drop it. And obviously, Muschamp was talking about the blocking at the tight end position and how it wasn't, you know, up to standard. Uh, and, And, you know, if you think about that spot, you know, there's not a lot of guys that are. You know, I mean, Will Register's playing now a bunch, and he had not played a whole lot. And, you know, you've got kind of some hybrid guys because they, they changed the offense. You know, you got um, you know, you're kind of running a two-tight end deal with a lot of H-back types, and, and you can still use those guys in this system, but it's different. You need the bigger guys that can block. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they need to move Chandler Farrell back, but then that takes something out of your passing game. I, I don't know what needs to happen there. Uh, But I'm concerned about tight ends. Obviously, the right side of the offensive line um, because Gwynn didn't have his best game and then those tackles were not that good. Uh, You know, so that concerns me. And then I I would, you know, I think it would make everybody feel better if there were more receivers that stepped up, you know, besides Shy, and then what little bit Xavier Leggett did. Now, now I'll say this too, though. Leggett, I I thought it was big for him to go out and make – big, you know, meaningful plays at times. Um, I still think he's kind of coming on, but I I thought that it was big that he got out there, got his feet wet, made some catches, um, uh, thought it was big for him. And then, you know, we'll see if they get any other receivers in this weekend. But, um, you know, as far as Colin Hill goes, I think, you know, he, he went out there and executed, you know, for, by and large, you cannot argue with Colin Hill's ability to go out and execute. And he did. And, uh, I thought, you know, his demeanor was extremely positive. Uh, and I think when you're in a hole like that, down 21-7, you need a guy that's going to say, okay, guys, let's go lead it back. Uh, I would have loved to have seen if he could have gotten anything done on the final drive. Uh, you know, I think that uh, 133 left, you know, I would have liked to have seen what Bobo could have dialed up uh, to get Carolina down the field. And how Colin Hill would have executed that, but didn't happen because of the special teams play. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm concerned about tight end and the O line after the other night. Now, I may have a different set of concerns after Saturday, but right now, that's that's kind of they need to clean that up, you know, because you're not going to go very. This offense is, I I think this offense could be solid and they can win enough games, but but you can't you can't run this offense without blocking, you know. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them run the ball a little better, too. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, they, they had less than 100 yards rushing, but, you know, it kind of got to be a, a passing-type game once they got down two touchdowns. But, uh, you know, I, I, I there were some good runs, but uh, it was, you know, that that needs to get better as well. So that's, uh, that's the deal. So we'll see what happens on um, – it's coming up Saturday, I think, that, you know, Gators gave up a lot of points and yards, too, but they had a lot of points and yards. So, you know, we'll see who gets better, you know, by Saturday. Thanks for your question, Noah. Isaiah says, J.C., I just wanted to say how much I love your podcast. The question is, how do you think Pickens and Birch played against Tennessee? And you think both players are having more of an impact this season? Worries me that we really only targeted Shia Smith out of the receivers. We really need to get other players going. Yeah, and like I mentioned, I thought that that was – you know, the the what-have-you, the, the Xavier-legged catches I thought were important, you know, just because I, 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 you, know, you need to get him going too. And then you need to get Luke Doty going or whoever else. You know, whoever else is out there, you need to get them going. Rico Powers, get him in the game. But, um yeah, that's a concern. It's a big concern because teams will start bracketing Shy Smith and trying to take him away. And it'll be up to uh, other guys to step up and do it, and, and all that. So that's why I did mention Leggett as a positive because I, you know, we didn't hear much from him, and then you know, forty two yard reception early on second half, and you're like, well, you know, here we go. Uh, and I thought that was important. Thought Colin Hill did a good job uh, distributing the ball. You ask about Birch and Pickens, you know, Birch is going to play more and more, in my opinion. That you know, he's over there with Enigbare. Enigbare, I thought played really well especially rushing the passer. And then I think Zach Pickens flashed, and, you know, there's a reason he was a guy that, you know, everybody in the country wanted. Uh, and so I thought at times Saturday night we saw that, and I think as the year goes on, they're going to play more and more and more. I mean, they're both too good to just kind of keep off the field. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, Isaiah, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thanks for the email question. Again, inside the gamecocks at gmail.com if you've got – A email. Um, Mark emails in. Very frustrating to lose. I feel like that's one we had to have. I mean, frustrating is the word. You know, talking to some folks around the program, Saturday, Sunday, frustrating is a word that's been used because it was a frustrating game. I think, you know, Will Muschamp did say five five to eight plays determine the outcome, and they did. They did. Um, and that was tough because, you know, Carolina got in a hole, came back, and then just couldn't get it done on either side late. I mean, I think that the the key plays there at the end, uh, obviously the drop pass by Muse, but then, you know, the, the the punt where you just didn't even give your give your guy a chance or your offense the chance. There was, what, a minute 35, 33 left? You know, you, still, you could have gone down and scored. But you know, he said that's one we had to have. Mark's right. And he says he also saw some beatable teams on Saturday. Really, the whole league, you know, and Alabama just kind of went out there and rolled. But uh, really, there's there's some interesting moments, you know, and, and I think some of these teams weren't quite ready. Um, and he says beatable teams, notably A and M, Auburn, and LSU. Even Georgia didn't look amazing. I'll, I'll agree with that. Um. You know, Auburn and A and M have to come to Columbia. Um, you know, and of course, I think we saw Saturday LSU, especially if you get them during the day. That place is completely different than than when it's packed and it's nighttime. <laughs> um, and, and so yeah, you, you never know. And That's what's going to be interesting about this season, guys. Is that you know you're just not going to know week to week. You know, and and that that's really beyond even COVID. I think you know. Uh, he said, however, I feel like we were likely to start 0-2. I wonder where our confidence will be at that point. That's true. Um, and you gotta go to Vandy and, and you know, if, if Carolina starts 0-2, Vanderbilt, now that they've kind of woken up today and, and saw the result from the weekend and realized, hey, look, this is AM is supposed to be really good we almost beat them, they're gonna be confident coming in against South Carolina. So, you know, you don't need to lose. <laughs> you don't need to lose those games or or, or that game. Coming up. You know, I think Florida, heck, you never know what's gonna happen. You go down there and take a shot. I mean, you just go down there and take a shot and hopefully the Game can play better on defense. But um and, and then continue to have the steady production they had offensively. Um, but you just go down there and take a shot and then see what happens against Vandy. but obviously you cannot lose to Vanderbilt here a couple of weeks in Nashville. So And confidence will start to wane. I mean, you know, it would have been big had they come back and won the game Saturday night because I think at that point this becomes a confident football team heading into Florida. Not sure what the outcome would be there, but, you know, they kind of got up off the mat from last year as it stands now. South Carolina, University of South Carolina, nine out of 12. uh, They have lost nine out of 12, uh, I think, to FBS competition. As they were, you know, last year they were three and eight uh, against everybody but Charleston Southern. So that's FBS. So, yeah. And so then they lose and their three and nine, nine out of 12. And you could actually go back to Virginia and Clemson at the end of 2018 and Florida. So just wonder, I'm trying to do math here. Nine out of 12. So you're really like, honestly, 12 out of. Uh, 17. They've lost. Or 12 out of 15. Three and twelve. That's 15 games against FBS competition. Well, oh I'm backing up. Akron is FBS. They're not FCS. So four and twelve. Four and twelve. And, and that's not trending in the right direction, folks. That's not trending in the right direction at all. But you're right, Mark. You know, the SEC could be very, you know, unpredictable this year. I, I thought. You know, outcome-wise, it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but, you know, some of these games were just kind of wild. You know? And so we'll see kind of what happens moving forward uh, with the Gamecocks and the rest of the league. All right, folks, I'll be back later uh, this week, obviously, inside the Gamecocks podcast. Thank you for the ratings and the reviews you've left on Apple Pods. You can also get this on Spotify, Stitcher app, wherever else. We'll sure we'll have another JC and Morgan podcast this week um with myself and mike morgan appreciate you guys listening to that as well jc sherbert inside the game podcast thanks for listening on a monday after a loss show these are the hardest shows to do guys <laughs> so got through this one so i'm happy and uh we guys uh you guys uh, continue with those emails and we'll talk to you soon